0: Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Another episode of Mountain State Cardboard is on deck. I'm Tim. This is my podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. If you would be so kind, subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, drop a rating, drop a review, share it with your friends, help me spread the word of Mountain State Cardboard. You can find me on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, at Cardboard. The website is WVCardboard.com. The email address, WVCardboard at gmail.com. Connect with me. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another week of Mountain State Cardboard and big main segment today at the end of the show. Big story in sports that I'm going to really focus on, hone in on, talk about, give my perspective and some overall general perspective on, but also apply it to the sports card hobby uh, so that it's relevant for those of you that are collectors or investors or flippers or what have you. I mean, I think that there's you know, again, hobby's a big tent. I'm a collector first, but I, I, I do sell cards to fun buying more cards so I do have a little bit of that investor/ flipper mindset when it comes to certain things. Uh, but uh, big story from sports this past week that I think uh, we can apply some things to. Uh, before we get into all of that though, I just want to say to my listeners in Texas, I uh, hope you're well. And uh, I you know checked in on a couple of my guys in Texas that I've met and connected with and, and gotten to know through the podcast and, and through social media. And uh, you know, checked on them. My guys are okay. Hope that continues. But I just want to say this. And and growing up in West Virginia informs everything that I do, everything that I am. It's it's being a West Virginian is is woven into my personal DNA. And when you grow up in West Virginia, it's it's sometimes a forgotten state until something bad happens, right? And I've you know, in in my life, I've seen natural disasters, man-made disasters, floods, uh, mine explosions, the, uh, tragic things. And one thing that I've learned is that the after effects linger long after the national media pulls up stakes, packs up their tents, and goes home. So, I say that to say to you guys listening to the show, if you've got friends or family in Texas what what they've endured in the last week with the snow, the freezing cold, it's a humanitarian crisis in a lot of regards. It's the effects of that do not end when this is no longer the flavor of the week news story in the national media. When the today show goes home, these people in Texas are still going to be dealing with what has happened in the last several days. It doesn't end when the next big news story pops up and that's what everybody focuses on. So Continue to check on your Texas folks. Um, for all of you guys in Texas that are listening to the show, uh, you're on my mind. Stay well, um, and we're here if you need anything. And that's a that's a sincere statement. Okay, so you know, I, I, I sports thoughts is kind of the main segment because there really there was one story that that dominated my sports news consumption last week and my conversation with friends so we'll throw sports thoughts off I do want to talk for a moment about eBay um, you know the interesting thing for me about eBay and I'm no eBay expert right like I've chronicled my journey with beginning to sell cards on eBay on this podcast I'm new to it I'm a noob I mean I it's not been that many episodes ago that I was asking you guys like buy it an hour auction what do you prefer and, and asking for advice and and Many of you were very kind in email and, and social media direct message to give me your thoughts and and share best practices that you've learned uh, through eBay. So I, I say none of this as any kind of expert, but I feel like maybe this is a show for guys like me who are new to some of these things, um, so I can help or at least share my thoughts and you take that ball and run with it and, and do with it as you please, but... Uh, So I I share the eBay thoughts, not because I'm some eBay expert and I can uh, help you make more money, but I share these thoughts as a guy who's just still trying to figure it out for himself. But I have picked up on a couple of things and I do have some thoughts. And if my experiences can help one or two of you guys, then all the better. Right. Um, So when it comes to eBay, and I had a decent week on eBay this week, nothing, nothing huge, but I, You know, I sold some stuff, made some money that I'm just going to put back into cards. That's what I'm doing. I'm selling to, I'm not retiring off of my eBay, uh, sales. I'm selling stuff on eBay to load up my PayPal account and sell more or buy more rather. So one thing that I figured out though, is, you know, I, I use buy it now a lot, very little auction, um, no particular reason for that but i like to buy i like buy it now as a consumer so i've gravitated to that as a seller and it's worked for me mostly and i'm negotiable on most of my prices but i will say this and and i'll get very specific you know i i've got some thoughts on guys whose cards might pop during baseball season this year and i've i spent the last month you know buying some stuff to to kind of flip to make some money because I've got my eyes on some bigger things. Um I've bought some stuff that I'm just stashing in a box for maybe a year or two because I think that's but now's the time to buy, right? Because they're maybe at their floor. Uh and I'm not going to talk specific players because I don't again, don't want I've said this many times. This this is we're going to talk about one specific player at the end of the show, but this isn't like collector investor advice hour, right? This is big picture strategy, the connection between sports and the hobby and, and the hobby in our lives. Um, but I'd, I've got some guys that I think are going to pop this year. I've got some guys that I think have real potential and I've become laser focused on baseball because that's again, where my passion is. I've said that a thousand times in the last couple of weeks. And it's also the sport that I know the most about that I know the best because I've spent a life as a baseball fan. You know, I can make some educated guesses on basketball and approach it as a fan and collector. But when it comes to hey, these are the guys that I think are going to their prices will rise in the next year to two years. Baseball's my jam, so I've you know I've been I've been buying and stashing. I've been buying and listing. And here's what I'll say about: but if you got if you've got a guy, and this is across all sports, if there's a guy that you believe in, and you don't have a ton of short term risk in. When you list your cards, stick to your guns. You know, there's a concept in sales called price integrity. If you believe in a guy, if you think that there's a guy who's undervalued, underpriced, underappreciated in the hobby, but you see that tide changing in the near future and you want to take advantage of it, you list your cards, stick to your prices. I mean, if you want to be negotiable within a certain range, sure but stick it out because it'll pay off. And I've had that. I had that experience this week because there are some guys whose prices are starting to finally catch up with, I think where they should have been in the market or close to. And so I bought or found in boxes, frankly, on a couple of occasions, cards looked up the prices on eBay and said, I think that's low because I think this guy's, a little bit underappreciated and I think the market's going to catch up with that. And so I listed the cards at where I thought they should be and I got some offers and I declined some offers, but then they paid off. So I say all of that to say, if there's a guy or a couple of guys or many guys that you believe in, and you've got this strategy in your head, stick it out at least for a little while until, until something changes your mindset about that player, stick to your guns because ultimately I think it'll pay off. That's my advice today. Price integrity. If you've, if you've listed a card at a certain, some things we list at a, at a price point because it's where it is in the market. We don't have much in the card and we're happy to take what we can get, right? Other cards, at least in my experience, I've listed at where I think they should be and then I'm willing to wait it out because eventually I feel like the market will catch up with that. That's my thought, and you guys may disagree, and if you do, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. Let's chat about it because I'm always trying to learn, but I've kind of figured out that I can list a card where I think it should be, and if I'm patient and willing to wait it out, I'll eventually get what I want or close to what I want out of it, and then I've just got more money to fund back into the hobby and buy more cards. So don't be afraid to have price integrity On cards that you really believe in and guys that you really believe in. So that's my, you know, again, amateur eBay strategy thought for you this morning. If there are guys that you believe in, when you list those cards, stick it out, it'll pay off unless you're wrong about the player and then you you can dump out. I mean, there's no big there's no shame in that either. We've all been wrong about guys. I've been wrong about guys. Uh even in the very short amount of time that I've been navigating this eBay landscape, I've I've made some miscalculations and I'm, you know, willing to take the L on that. One guy that I won't be wrong on, and this is my shout out to Andy, the sports card investigator this week. Great episode this week, by the way, of sports card investigator. It was really the one the one piece of content that I was able to consume this week. I, it was a busy week work-wise for me, and it, things are starting to heat up on the job front for me uh, at work, and that's a good thing because it was a long, slow slog of a year because of the pandemic. My What I do, my industry was crippled. Um, it's nice to be busy again with work. But I did watch Andy's latest episode, Sports Card Investigator, and he started the show by questioning and and talking in real hobby terms. Why are people buying Lamello Ball hoops cards at sixty five bucks? Right. Like just stop. And and you've seen those those prices crash this week. Great episode of Sports Card Investigator. I wasn't in on Lamelo Ball. I'm not going to be in on Lamelo Ball anytime soon. But uh, for those people that that rushed out to buy Lamelo Ball hoops cards, you just got to think about how you're approaching things. and And maybe you make money on it. I don't know. Um, but anyway, great episode of Sports Card uh, Investigator. I want to jump right into the main segment today because I've. This is probably the most notes that I've ever made for a main segment. This or the or the show that I did about. Uh, panini revolution several weeks ago the big story in sports this week was the fernando tatis contract and i chopped it up with a couple of different guys uh my boy cardboard cooper and i went back and forth on this for a couple of hours one night talking about the fernando tatis uh junior contract before i jump into that though before i talk specifics of the contract again I said at the top of the show when talking about Texas, you know, being from West Virginia, growing up in West Virginia informs everything that I do. And in a lot of ways, it informs my opinions when it comes to, um, contracts and, and labor disputes and things because West Virginia is, is historically of a, a, a pro labor state. I, I grew up in a pro labor household. I grew up in a union household. I have distinct memories of my mom walking a picket line when I was a kid. Um, and unions have a very strong, rich history in West Virginia. Frankly, some of the workplace protections that you find in other industries around the country were gained on the backs of unions and coal miners in West Virginia that fought for labor protections and workplace safety protections. And West Virginia has a strong union history. So I come at all of this with a very pro-labor history and background and growing up in a place where the labor movement was woven into our history as a state. So I'm pro labor. I'll always, always, always admit that. And I'm not ashamed of that. So Fernando Tatis signed a gigantic contract this week, 14 years, $340 million takes him into his, you know, age 35, 36 season. Um, it's a it's a big contract and there was a rush by some people in the media to not necessarily discredit the contract but talk about why the contract was bad for baseball. And I am here to say as a as a humble podcast host from a small place in West Virginia that that contract is great for baseball. In no way is it bad for baseball. The only people that that contract is potentially bad for are owners who are trying to depress the salary market and keep their thumb on top of players and keep salaries down and control their expenses. Those are the only people that the Fernando Tatis Jr. contract is bad for. That contract is great for the other players in the league. That contract is great for fans in San Diego. And that contract is great for fans of baseball in general. $340 million over 14 years. Like I said, it takes him to about 35 or 36. He has not even touched his prime. He's not even on the cusp of his prime. And he's one of the most electric players in baseball. He's a gold glove caliber shortstop. He's a silver slugger caliber shortstop. He's dynamic. He's electric. He's got personality. He's fun to watch. He can be the face of baseball before he gets to the heart of this contract. Some of the things that you hear when when a big contract like this is signed, and someone tweeted about how, uh, you know, in the first however many years of this contract, he'll have made more than Tony Gwynn did in his entire career. And to that, I say, so what? Tony Gwynn, Hall of Famer. Tony Gwynn is synonymous with San Diego Padres baseball more than any other person in history. Tony Gwynn played in a very different era. Tony Gwynn came up in 1982. The, the world was a very different place. Economics of baseball, economics of the world were very different. You cannot compare the salaries of Tony Gwynn to the salary of Fernando Tatis Jr. Those two salaries exist on very different planes. And if Tony Gwynn were alive, I think he would be thrilled to see what the Padres are doing with Fernando Tatis. Because let me tell you guys, I'm critical of baseball ownership a lot of the time. I love how the Padres have treated so far Fernando Tatis Jr. A couple of other thoughts about the contract itself and the specifics of it. And people were saying, well, it'll be an, al- it's, first of all, it's not going to be an albatross by the time it's over. It's not going to hang around their necks like some kind of dead weight because they did it early. He's getting his big payday contract 5 years earlier than Mike Trout or Mookie Betts did. They were in their 27-ish year season when they got their big payday. So this the Padres are buying at today's rate more of Fernando Tatís Jr.'s prime. This contract would have been much more expensive if and there are a lot of ifs here, if Fernando Tatís Jr. pans out the way a lot of very smart baseball people think it's going to pan out, and they had waited because then TV money is bigger. And TV money is a big part of this, by the way. TV money is bigger, salaries in general are bigger. The Padres did the right thing for their own pocketbooks by locking this up early, and they did right by Fernando Tatis Jr. If his trajectory continues, this contract is a bargain by the end by the time we get to the end of this contract it's below league average as team values increases tv revenue increases average salaries rise when we 14 years from now in 2030 2032 2034 there will be people who are saying that fernando tatis junior is underpaid if he continues down this path that he's on and there's no reason to think that he won't there's this Thinking that he might be injury prone, I disagree. He's 22. Um, The other thing that I love about this contract and everything that I've said about Fernando Tatis Jr., that the Padres have done has been right. Because the other thing that they didn't do is they didn't manipulate his service time. Fernando Tatis Jr. was on the Padres' opening day roster in 2019. They didn't slow roll him to, arbit- to, to to lock him up for extra years they didn't manipulate his service time as many many other clubs do. you know one of the historic examples of service time manipulation was Chris Bryant. Uh, you know when Chris Bryant came up what was that 2014 2015 when the Cubs broke camp Chris Bryant was still in Iowa City playing at AAA and i think who was it mike olt i think opened as the opening day third baseman uh, for the for the cubs and everybody's screaming like chris bryant's the best player in the system he's the, he's the he would be the best player on the major league roster and he didn't break camp with the team and miraculously the super two deadline passes in april and for those that aren't real baseball people and and contract nerds there is a date after which if a player calls up, he does he, you basically control him for an extra year. His, his service time clock, which leads to arbitration, which eventually leads to free agency, doesn't start. And it's usually sometime in mid-April. So that's why you see a lot of late-April, early-May call-ups because these teams are keeping guys at AAA just long enough for the clock to run out, and then they call them up and they get an extra year, and they don't have to pay them their big contract for one more year. It's the the uh, the Rays did it with Will Myers. The the uh, Cubs did it with Chris Bryant. The Padres didn't do any. There's the the president and CEO of the Seattle Mariners is in some really hot water this morning because he uh, some things came out that he said uh, on a video meeting with the local Seattle Rotary Club, uh, basically openly talking about manipulating the service time of guys like Jared Kelenic and Julio Rodriguez and other guys in the, in the uh, Seattle farm system. But the Padres have not done any of that stuff. Mariners are, they're a train wreck right now. They've, they've managed to the, the Mariners go find that story. The Mariners have managed to piss off, not only their young guys in the system that know they're getting screwed on their service time, but also longtime really good veteran players like Kyle Seager in one fell swoop. It's a train wreck in Seattle right now. Um, But I digress. The Padres have done none of that. Fernando Tatis Jr. was the best option opening day 2019 at shortstop. He opened the season on the main roster. They didn't keep him in AAA just to get an extra year of service time out of him. He wasn't arbitration eligible yet, yet, but they locked him up on a long-term contract. And they did it because it was the right thing to do because he gives them the best chance to win, and they are in it to win now, and they're in it to win it long-term. And this contract, the other thing to keep in mind with baseball is that there's no salary cap. So just because you're spending $340 million over 14 years on Fernando Tatis Jr. doesn't mean that you can't spend big money on someone else when and if the opportunity arises. And San Diego's been very aggressive in free agency and trades. You know, they they sign they signed Machado, they signed Hosmer, they brought in Snell, they brought in Darvish. They're spending money and they are putting to shame big market teams like Boston and Chicago who have who have cried poverty and have let big-time talent walk out the door. And the most notable exception, or the most notable case of that is Boston letting bets walk. And what they got back for bets, I'm sorry, Alex Verdugo fans, pales in comparison to what Mookie Betts is as a player. So I'm sure that when the owners all get together, San Diego is going to be kind of persona non grata in the meetings because the guys in Chicago and the guys of Boston who've been trying to depress salaries and put more money in their own pockets. Are looking at San Diego going what are you trying to do to us and the way they've treated Tatis is the polar opposite of how guys like Betts were treated in Boston getting traded out lean door uh, uh, Francisco lean door getting traded to the Mets Cleveland let a generational talent go because they wanted to save money a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. is a license to print money in San Diego, and San Diego recognized that. And they recognized that you have to spend money to make money because as they they have young and exciting players, they sell more merch, they sell more tickets, more people want to watch them on TV. And if and when they win, and I believe they will win, if and when they win, they make even more money. Speaking of money, I'm here to tell you every team in Major League Baseball could do this, and here's why. Each team gets you may not know this each team gets 67 million dollars a year just from the national TV deals with ESPN and Fox and TBS the national TV deals each team's share 67 million dollars that's just that sh- that's just national TV that's not local and regional TV all the different Fox sports networks and Regional sports networks, those are their own deals. Those teams bring in that dough as well. And that's before you get into merchandise sales, ticket sales, other revenue streams. And that's not counting all of the real estate developments that the teams have created around their ballparks, which they don't share with the players that just come in to their own coffers. What Atlanta has done around SunTrust Park, what the Padres themselves have done Around their park in San Diego, they're creating real estate empires that bring in cash that doesn't even get shared with the players, and doesn't—it's not part of their baseball operation money. Teams are making money, and again, TV national TV just sixty-seven million dollars a year. Every team could have a Fernando Tatis Jr. salary on their books and still have money to pay other players. I look at San Diego, and as a Pirates fan, I'm jealous. Pittsburgh's payroll, estimated projected payroll right now for 2021 is $45 million, which is down from $54 million last year because guys like Josh Bell and Joe Musgrove are off the books because they got traded out of town. Pittsburgh is going to have a $45 million million payroll. They get $67 million just from the national TV deal. So somewhere there's $22 million that aren't going into salaries. And then they've got their own regional sports network. They sell tickets. They sell merch. They have baseball-related revenues on top of the $67 million TV deal. And yet they cry poor and they don't pay players. I'm jealous of what's happening in San Diego. I am all for Fernando Tatis Jr. getting this contract. And I told you that I would relate this to hobby terms and I'm about to, but I just want to say one last note about the Tatis contract. There are, I've kind of thought this through, three scenarios and none of them negatively impact in the big picture the San Diego Padres. There's scenario A where Tatis plays well, fulfills his expectations, the team wins, everybody wins. Scenario B, he plays well. The team, for whatever reason, never puts it together. They can't win. They're not going to win. I tell, I'm tell i telling you, by the time we get into about year 10 of this contract, it's very tradable because it will be below market value, and he will still have some prime left. They will be able to trade him if they need to toward the end of this contract because you can't think of 20 money in 2030 what looks like a lot of money right now won't be in 10 years as the sport and the revenues continue to grow and they will continue to grow and then there's scenario C he doesn't play well he gets hurt you know knock on wood this doesn't happen but there's a there's an injury or that he doesn't but if they get toward the end of the line and this isn't working out they just go the Bobby Bonilla route and stretch it out over another 20 years and pay him his money over a longer period of time. When fun fact, when Fernando Tatis junior when Fernando Tatis Jr.'s contract ends in 2034, the Mets are still going to be paying Bobby Bonilla. And that's not a joke. He will still have one or two years left. I think one on his contract extension from the Mets. So if this whole thing blows up on the Padres, they just go the Benilla route and stretch it out. And he's still getting paid in 2050 and everybody wins there too, because His salary is less of a hit to the Padres. He's still bringing in steady money every year. Everybody's happy. Nobody's getting hurt from this Tatis contract except other owners who want to go cheap. Bob Nutting in Pittsburgh should be ashamed of himself. But the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the Cleveland Indians, bigger market, more marketable teams should really be embarrassed. So how does this relate to the hobby? And I said that I was going to bring this back and talk about the hobby. How does this relate to the hobby? Here's how it relates. The people who own the Padres aren't dumb. Their owner, and I, of all the notes that I took, I forgot to write his name down. But he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a second-generation team owner. He's a hedge fund guy. He's a smart guy. He's not spending money to be stupid he's spending money because he realizes what he's got in the palm of his hand. He was Delta winning hand when they when they traded for Fernando Tatís Jr. I mean, he could be generational. He really could. So, in the hobby, one of the things that I like to do is I like to look at how are how are and and this isn't even in the hobby. This is in in any kind of investment or or monetary landscape, what are smart people with a lot of money doing with their money? The Padres are investing in Fernando Tatis Jr. The hobby should be investing in Fernando Tatis Jr. too. And again, this isn't an investment advice show, but this is just as plain as the nose on your face. The Padres have gone all in on Fernando Tatis Jr. and this current roster. I'm all in on Fernando Tatis Jr. If the Padres are willing to pony up and pay him that kind of money and lock him up for that long, they truly believe in his ability to be great. So do I. So when you're looking at players, look at the look at what the teams have done. And I'm not saying that if a team goes cheap on a guy that you should just automatically discredit them and overlook them and, and set them aside. I mean... Mookie Betts is a, Hall of Fam- a future Hall of Famer that Boston just gave up on because they wanted to save some dough. L.A. was happy to take advantage of that attitude in Boston. You know, That's not the only qualifying factor. But look at what teams do with players. You know, Atlanta, even though I think it was below market value and he could have done better if he'd have waited out a little while, Atlanta locked up Acuna for the long term and gave him good money pre-arbitration they see something in the long term in Ronald Acuna Jr., so do I. The Padres see something long term in Fernando Tatis Jr., so do I. So look at what teams do with players and their contracts and their service time and let that be a part of your decision-making process in a guy. And I'll say this, too, about Tatis in the hobby. I think he can be the guy that brings more people back into baseball. You know, basketball is it right now. Basketball is hot. Basketball is where all of the excitement in the hobby marketplace is. Agree or disagree, I feel like I'm right on that. Tatis is a guy who can bring some of those people back over to baseball. And I say back over because this all started with baseball decades ago. Tatis is a guy who can get people excited. Tatis is a guy who can get, Big time eyes back into the hobby. The more he succeeds and the more dynamic he plays, the more people are going to get excited about him. You know, he's got a he's got a a charisma on the field the way a guy like Steph Curry has charisma on a basketball floor. He's got generational type talent the way a guy like Luca, even though he's not won anything yet. Has generational type talent. So you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., and he could be the guy that rejuvenates the baseball card market. And it's very telling what the Padres have done with his contract and locking him up, because that says that people who are in the business of making money are betting on Fernando Tatis Jr. over the long term. So we in the hobby should bet on Fernando Tatis Jr. in the long term as well. And then look at other guys. Look at Acuna. See what Washington does with Soto. See what Chicago does with Jimenez or Luis Robert. All these young guys that people are excited about in the hobby, like in this window right now, look to see what the teams do with them. And if they don't lock them up, I'm not saying that that's that's a reason to not invest. But if they do... Let that be a part of your decision-making process because these guys are in business to make money and they're not going to throw away money on a player that they don't believe in or that they don't see long-term value in. We should let our money follow their money at least some of the time. At least let that be a part of your decision-making process. So there's my two cents and a whole hell of a lot more on Fernando Tatis Jr., But I'm excited about him. I'm excited about the contract. I think it's super smart. I love what the Padres have done. They're investing in Tatis. I'm investing in Tatis. That's the show for this week, everybody. Have a great week. Again, please subscribe to the show on your platform of choice. Like it, review it, share it with your friends. Find me on social media Twitter and Instagram at WVCardboard, the website. Is wvcardboard.com. The email address is wvcardboard at gmail.com. Have a great week. Peace, love, and penny sleeves. Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Our theme music is performed and produced by John Ingram. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WVCardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media, all rights reserved.